This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And today I'm very pleased to welcome back to OPI Talk, Robert Baldry. Now, Robert will be a familiar name to many OPI listeners over the past 30 years or so. He's held senior level positions in Europe with the likes of Spicers, Evo Group, Staple Solutions, and most recently, Office Depot. And if you have ever attended uh, an OPI event, you may have well have met him there, you know, possibly in the in the bar in, in the evening as well. So, <laughs> sorry, just joking there. Robert, good to see you. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the invite yeah. back again. Uh, yeah, I want, uh, yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask you back on on now because this is actually our fiftieth official episode of, of OPI Talk, and, and you and I did the the very first pilot episode uh, back in July of twenty twenty. So I thought it'd be a nice touch to have you have you back again on on this fiftieth episode. So again, thanks thanks for doing this. No, no, pleasure. And I was, uh, I, I have to admit, I was very surprised when, uh, when you said that you'd already managed 50. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, kudos, Mr. Braithwaite, because it's, uh, you know, it's uh, always a good listen. And uh, yeah, it's amazing that you've managed to get through 50 of them. So uh, no, glad to be back. You never know, it might be, we might be back on with you for the hundredth episode, but I, I won't get ahead of, <laughs> I won't get ahead of myself with, with that one. I'm not sure <laughs> if anyone's really going to want to hear from me again uh, for the hundredth, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Okay. The, the timing of that actually might have come at a good time for you. I, I saw something you posted on, on LinkedIn perhaps a week ago or so or, or, or 10 days ago or so about your role at Office Depot had come to an end. So just what, what's your current situation? Yeah, I, um, I left Office Depot at the end of uh, October. Um, I've had a couple of weeks holiday uh, and um, yeah, sort of came to a natural conclusion with the uh, the sale of the majority of the UK uh, contract business to Office Team Group, and then uh, obviously subsequently there was the uh, the sale of the rest of the business to Raja. I guess we'll get into that later, but we 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 came to a sort of natural conclusion, and uh, I left the business at the end of October. So uh, I'm uh, I've had a couple of weeks off, um, and I'm currently sort of looking at what I'm going to do next. Um, hoping to get back into something uh, before the end of the year, okay. we'll just uh, see how it goes. There's a couple of things, right. couple of things on the on the on the bubble, sure. so uh, we'll yeah. see how we get on. Okay. Anything you can say about that time at Office Depot? You were leading the the Viking Plus project, obviously in difficult circumstances because of COVID and, and travel restrictions and that kind of thing. What what kind of experience was that for you? I think it was a. Uh, I really enjoyed my time with uh, with uh, Office Depot. I think we, um, you know, ex- exactly right. We managed. A, I suppose the last kind of eighteen months has been the Viking Plus project, which we have managed as a as a virtual project. I was chatting with um, the uh, a chap from AT Kearney who ran the program office for me, uh, Boris Theobald, uh, and he and I were very close and worked very closely together. There were probably about a hundred people on that project. And uh, Boris and I have never physically met, and uh, <laughs> I suppose it's a kind of a, uh, an indictment of the way things work nowadays that you can you you can run a, a large scale multi location pro- program like that. And uh, yeah, we ne- we never met. I mean, uh, I feel very close to him, but um, he reminded me the other day that we've never actually sat down in the same room, which is <laughs> pretty bizarre. Yeah. 
um, but no, it was uh, it was a. Uh, um, I think we, you know, with 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 the difficult hand that we were dealt given uh, COVID, uh, I'm very proud and pleased with the the progress we made. And and as I said, it it kind of ended successfully with the um, the UK contract business being steered into into a safe uh, harbour, as it were, with uh, with office team. Something like 200 uh, colleagues have. Um, transferred across to office team and uh, you know Paragon are obviously very enthusiastic about growing that business so that was very pleasing to do that mm. and then obviously I think that that deal sort of paved the, the way for the Raja transaction and 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 therefore you know the the, the overall business ends up with a with, with a good future as well so yeah no I'm I'm, I'm, I'm pleased it came to a a, a nice conclusion. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned Raja a couple of times. I think that deal officially closed on, on the 1st of November. So literally, uh, you know, two or three days, days ago. Yeah. That has brought, brought an end to the, I would necessarily call it a saga or, or the, the journey of the, the you know, private equity owned office de- depot Europe and the Staples Solutions businesses in Europe after they were bought at the start of, of 2017 by, uh, by the private equity, equity companies. So that, that, that's, that's come to, to an end, is that uh, what does that mean for the uh, you know the face of the, the reseller channel in Europe? Well, I guess it's uh, it's it's a. Uh, I, I was reading your thirtieth anniversary uh, edition uh, recently in OPI, and, and and your I thought a really interesting article about the kind of the the rise and fall, or or I don't know how you call it, not fall, but mm. atomization, I suppose, of the of the big box, and and that it coincided almost exactly with. Um, sort of the OPI, so it's yeah. clearly your fault. But um, <laughs> the the um, you know, I thought it was a, a really interesting article, and uh, I suppose it's it's it has no doubt what's happened has changed completely the face of the the channel across Europe. Um, what were kind of um, very large pan-European businesses have now been kind of. Um, uh, well, I was going to say scattered, but they haven't really because, you know, obviously pieces have been yeah. reassembled. Yeah. Um, so so I suppose that the, the, the dice have been recast. But, um, I, you know, if you'd said to me that, uh, that that was going to happen and that we were going to see adjacent players like Raja Packaging or Paragon from the from the kind of printing and um, marketing world entering the space and, and really... Uh, taking significant um pieces I, I i would have been very surprised i suppose uh, not very long ago so um i think it's kind of really interesting how how things have um how things have come back and 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 i guess uh, the other the other kind of interesting thing to remark is how a lot of the um the power is in french hands now with 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 lyrico raja um bruno mm. i would guess to mention as well yeah. um you know it's it's quite interesting that france is a a sort of a powerhouse now um, in 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 in, yeah. in those terms. Okay, we'll, we'll maybe come come on to that in, in a minute. Just just going back yeah. to, to to Staples and an Office Depot and their, and their presence in Europe over over the past thirty years. Is it is it possible to talk about their legacy? I, I suppose I'm old enough to remember them arriving and the whole market kind of panicking mm. as everyone realised that you know next day delivery was going to have to be a thing. <laughs> Uh, there's no doubt that the big big box, as it was called, arriving in 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 Europe, had a fairly dramatic effect on service. I suppose the legacy of that is, however, that as we've seen um, uh, 
you know, the sort of um, the decline in some of those traditional categories uh, drive reduced uh, reduced demand, etc. Um, some of the service that was built in all those years ago and has remained as as has has proved problematic for a number of well, all of us really, I guess, mm. in terms of how do you maintain that service um, when 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 your top line's going backwards and and you're working on thinner margins. So mm. I suppose it was inevitable that that we'd have to have a bit of a rethink about that and some of the some of those high levels of service are going to have to going to have to change and 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 are changing. But I guess that's the really. If you look at the change that they brought, they they were behind a lot of the um, cons- first consolidation wave. Mm. Lots of acquisitions made. I, I think if I look at both of those organisations, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but uh, you know they they never, from what I could see um, from the from the two tours of duty I've done, first at Staples and then at Depot one of the key things that they didn't do was really try to integrate those businesses properly, particularly from an IT perspective. And I think that that probably were, you know, that, that those were the seeds that were sown a long time ago, not doing that, um, which which perhaps led to, to some problems um, mm. further down the line. You know, that I think both businesses, you know, had multiple t- tens, if not, more than tens of uh, ERP systems across Europe and, and therefore weren't quite as joined up as perhaps you might have thought from yeah. the outside. Yeah, And that's now, you know, that, that, that yeah. I think from a cost point of view um, led to both of the PE houses, Cerberus and Aradius looking at this and saying, well, how, how do we, how do we get these costs back to something more sensible? Um, and, you know, that, that, so I think probably that failure to deal with that, and to really knit those those acquisitions together way back when, mm. um, really kind of sowed the seeds for what what happened later. Okay, yeah. W- were you surprised that, you know, when we look at it, we can say the bit those businesses, the Staples and Office Depot in Europe, have been you know, sold off pretty pretty successfully for the for the most part. Uh, not 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 really surprised. I su- I suppose I would have been more surprised if someone had turned up and bought the whole thing. Uh, I think the way it, it has been done uh, has been, I, I would say, both, both um, you know, if you look at what, what's been done by both Staples and Depot, successfully negotiated a whole bunch of different tactical deals that have really kind of put the, put the local businesses into the right hands. So I'd have been more surprised, I think, if someone had come along and taken sure. the whole thing. Yeah, uh, but but I think the way it's ended up, we've we've sort of seen the 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 players where they are most strong doing the deals, um, you know, and 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 have you're seeing a lot of emerging players now strengthening their hands tactically by looking at which markets they can they can buy into, you know, mm. and then uh, and then building out from there. So I think we're we're sort of entering a new wave now. Of, if you like consolidation and growth with 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 the new players, uh, the likes the likes of the Brunos and the Rajas and yeah. and, and the PBSs. Right. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you whether you think there's going to be a pause in in major consolidation now that now that those two two large ones are out of the way, or or whether it will continue. Oh, that's always a hard. Yeah. It's a hard question to answer. I th- I think. Um, what I might say about that is that you need to look at where, you know, 
largely PE is 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 kind of exiting our market. If you look at Aurelius and uh, and Cerberus, so I would sort of say where PE is still involved, how long will that last is a question for me. But but what happens after that, I don't know. I don't I don't see any sort of major major consolidation or diversification breakups um, mm. out there at the moment. That yeah. you know it's largely happened. Yeah, and another another way of putting it is: Do you think the balance of the reseller channel is, is as it should be at the moment? When you when you look at the different markets and, and what's happened with with those acquisitions over the past eighteen months or so? Yeah, I think we've certainly seen we've certainly seen some capacity come out of the market, which I think is uh, it, you know can only be a good thing. Uh, you've heard me before talk about the number of half or three quarters full sheds that there are in any country you know if you looked at the uk i mean a great example of that for example would be the fact that um office team are going to re-centralize their business in the old office depot ashton site Mm. uh, and close medic and you know there's a great example both of those sites were there before uh, and and i won't be going forward so i think there's a bit of that going on that that can only be helpful from from a if you take a sort of macro industry profitability point of view then having sheds that are more full is 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 obviously good for the industry so i think that, that you know those kind of effects are are helpful mm, yeah do you think the sale of staple solutions and office depot europe was a, a good advert for for private equity they they came in did what they said they were going to do and you could argue that they they saved those businesses from from going under for the most part obviously there they were there were job losses and, and cuts and, and those kind of things but was it overall a, a positive development for the european industry yeah i mean i, I you know I, I i um you may have noticed but i came i came in for a little criticism when i i posted something on linkedin not so long ago sort of saying something to that effect and uh, got got sort of criticised by, uh, you know, probably rightly that I wasn't being sensitive enough to um, Depot France's situation. Mm. But, but you know, I, I, I guess I do stand by what I said at the time, which is I think uh, quite a few of those businesses would not have survived. And uh, uh, probably the outcome would have been far more negative in terms of uh, loss of employment, you know, customers being disappointed, etc. Had it not been for the sort of the creative approaches that were used by mm. um, by both Cerberus and Aurelius, so I personally, I think they they have they've done what private equity does best, which is getting into somewhat distressed situations, finding mm. the best solutions, carving those businesses up, and 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 delivering them into the into into the right hands so that they can be growth and, and employment prospects for as many people as possible. Mm. It is unfortunate that inevitably when you're in these distress situations, you're right. Um, people will, you know, there will be job losses. That's yeah. inevitable. Unfortunately, uh, we can't forget, uh, we can't forget the, 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 the effect of the pandemic on the overall industry. We can't also affect the fact that there's, you know, there's this macro decline going on. Yeah. In, in 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 traditional office products and it and it's only been accelerated by the by the pandemic and hybrid working so you know you're not in a situation where you're you, you've got an underlying tailwind in this industry it's, it's an underlying yeah. headwind so yeah. i would say overall you know despite despite um the way that the sort of you know traditional reputations etc 
I think actually they've done a good job. I've been working with um, PE uh, probably since I got involved with um, Vasanta now uh, back in 2010. And, um, you know, yes, they have a particular way of working, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think, as you probably know, I'm an accountant by, by trade and having a razor-like focus on cash is probably a very good thing to do for any business and yeah. not enough people focus on that. So I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah. Frankly. Okay. Yeah. I, I was listening back to our to our fir- first podcast just before just before this conversation, and you said you said then private equity is done with with our business. Do you do you still stand by that? Yeah, I think so. There was no, and I think the sign of that is that when when you look at Aurelius or Cerberus, you didn't see any any in terms of what they were doing. There was no interest from what I could see from the from the PE uh, market. Um, to, to do anything with, uh, you know, to sort of say, well, you know, it might, well, perhaps if I take this piece and this piece and bang them together again, you know, there could have been a, a new emerging player from the market. Now, I, d- I didn't see any interest and I don't see any interest from sort of second round PE there. So mm. my personal view is the guys that are there now are there now, but I'd be, I'll be very, very surprised to see anybody um, thinking that this is a good place to, uh, to right. start um, working. Okay. Well, we've seen a couple of, of, of transactions uh, standard in, in uh, the True. Netherlands and Germany have True. come in and, and taken the office center and, and some True. some of the staples business there. I think Bruno is in the process of, of changing hands again to another private yep. equ- equity company. So, I mean, there still is some interest there. That is true. I suppose I, I was thinking more of the kind of the pan-European mm. play where, you know, because really, if you think about it, you haven't really got now other than uh, Lyrico, you don't really have a um, a sort of a joined up pan-European mm. uh, player now. I, I, I guess that there will be people thinking about that now, thinking about how they make that work. Um, Raja would be an obvious one well, to think well, about. Well, I was going to say that they had a, a press conference uh, a couple of weeks ago. They talked about you know, key accounts and the, their contract division yeah. being one of their strategic priorities. So I guess they'll be the, the natural competitor, I think, on, on a pan-European level to to Lyrico. So now that they've I got all so. those, they've got those the office businesses in, in 10 markets, and I think they're present in 26 countries altogether in, in Europe. So we'll see where they where they take that. But again, as you, I think you mentioned earlier on, contract business, uh, very, very difficult, especially with, with COVID and changes to, to work from home and, and those kind of things in the hybrid, hybrid work environment. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, but, the, but you know, that you, you can't ignore the fact that there still are large multinational businesses that want pan-European or even global contracts uh, for supply. And uh, that is a part of the market that I suppose as a result of um, the, the various Office Depot and Staples transactions, the, the, it, is, it is harder for people perhaps to, um, to get an offering that is consistent across lots and lots of countries. You know? mm. So, so I, I, I do think there's a, there, there is something there, there's a market there. Whether it's as big as it's always been, I don't know. But um, that you know, there's there's definitely still a whole bunch of uh, multinational large players who who still want that kind of offering. Right, and, and perhaps with with fewer players, a, b- a bit more sensible strategies on pricing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm slowly climbing onto my soapbox now, but yes, uh, you've heard me on a number of occasions talk about pricing. Yeah, I, I think it has to come and 
I think all of the players that I've been involved in have, have, have and are slowly coming to the realisation that, that, you know, you, you can't carry on with the, with the sell a core product, core basket of products at a low margin and then gain your margin on the slow moving stuff because it doesn't work anymore. You know, Amazon mop up that leakage, make lots of nice margins on that. Quite happy to mop up the leakage from what I can see. Uh, and it's time the industry kind of woke up to that and said, right, okay, uh, sorry, Mr. Mr. Large, uh, Mr. Large Procurement Director, you can't do that anymore. We will not do that anymore. And uh, how, how about a fair price for everything rather than a rather than a ridiculous price for a small number of products and then a, and, and then an equally ridiculous high price for for, <laughs> for, mm. for the slow moving stuff. Mm. So my my view is yes, uh, absolutely. That's really more about the Amazon threat than anything else. If people don't realise that, then that that's you know that's where we need to go i think yeah i mean how important is that leakage that goes to amazon for those those slow moving products and i was listening to uh, amazon uh, business exchange conference uh, for, in, in london it was a, a virtual conference uh, the other week i mean they they got some large multinational corporations who, who speak on behalf of, of amazon and how amazon is working with them to to make ordering products easier and faster and to, to cut out some of the manual processes and those kinds of things. So is that a threat to the to the traditional contract market? Absolutely. And I think it sort of brings us back full circle to what we discussed about, you know, big box arriving in Europe. We, we, we've built over the years huge, complex kind of service models and pricing models as well, which, dare I say it, you know, crazy kind of rebate structures and prebate structures mm. and you know mm. all sorts of stuff you know you can have this price for this product on a wednesday if it's raining in blackpool <laughs> and 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 then we try to get our it systems to work with it and along come amazon um and they say well actually it's a very simple price structure but hey here's the good thing there's a massive range and it's a fantastic service. And, and I think you can see that in the in B2C world, you know, in why is everyone buying stuff from Amazon? Are they the cheapest? No, they're not. If you go on to Google Shopping, quite a lot of the time you can find the product cheaper somewhere else, right? But if you buy it from Amazon, it arrives when you ordered it. It isn't damaged. You know, the, the, the website works really well, one-click ordering, et cetera. And I think that's, if you think about it, that's actually what people want. And whether they're sitting at home buying as consumers or they're sitting in the office as a B2B buyer, they want a simple transaction. Mm. A lot of the time, the stuff that we're selling is it's interesting because it's not strategic until it isn't there, um, <laughs> right? So, you know, you think about, I don't know, toilet rolls or coffee or, you know, it's not strategic at all to these businesses until it's not there. And uh, if it's not there, I always tell the same story. I remember in Staples, we, we managed to shut quite a number of quick fit branches, the um, tire and exhaust fitters, because we ran out of the plastic seat covers that the mechanic puts on your seat to drive your car into the, into the, the, the shop to repair it, right? Seat covers worth about, I don't know, 5p, 3p or something, right? It's not a strategic product for them. They sell tires and exhaust. If they haven't got one, they have to shut the uh, shut the depot. So I think, you know, really that focus, Amazon, I, I still see them as a massive uh, threat because, because they spend so much time completely focused on the customer 
just thinking about how do we make it easier for the customer? And back to my point about IT, boy, oh boy, they probably spend in a week what some of our major players in the industry are spending in, in a year mm. uh, on IT. And that research is there. Con- continuous improvement in the site and, and they will figure out what it is that those B2B customers use uh, need. Sorry. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not targeting a particular customer type. They're going from you know, large corporates and large government entities and, or agencies right down to you know, micro businesses and you know, independent workers working, working out of a, a home office. Yeah, I mean, I think you could see they're, 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 they're I doubt if they're particularly worried about where they enter. Uh, you'll probably find that in the early days, the offering was probably better suited to the smaller business that didn't have big requirements. But when you look at what they're doing now and the fact that, you know, if you're running an you know, Ariba procurement or something, that they'll link up to that. Mm. Um, they, they, you know, they are very quick to understand what the customer wants. Uh, you know, you probably remember that conference back in, that was a, a few years ago, but when we, when we were interviewing the guy from Amazon Business and saying, who do you see as the competitors? And everyone in the room was waiting for them to mention them. Yeah. And, and he just went, we never talk about the competitors. We only think about the customer. And I, I, I know I keep saying, you know, I've probably said that a million times, but it's profound, right? Too many businesses just spend too much time worrying about what the competition are doing and forget that actually, if you just give the customer what they want, day in, day out, mm. you know, they'll love you forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's too many businesses that kind of forgot that. Right. And I certainly think the work from home trend and the hybrid work trend has played to Amazon's strengths in its ability to deliver to, to, to anywhere as well. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. I mean, I, I think they, um, in the first or the early stages of the pandemic, there were sort of a lot of the players were sort of struggling. The traditional players, if you like, struggled to to do home deliveries. I remember Lyrico talking about having to turn on a sixpence and get their their vehicles to be able to deliver to homes all of a sudden. Um, Amazon must have taken share in those early days. Mm. Maybe some of that's reversed now, but I still think people are pe- people are completely used to and uh, familiar with the the look and feel of the Amazon site from their day to day stuff at home. So they will they will take an increasing share of the market, no question. Okay. Any positives for the existing players? Any any what, where where can they go? What can they do to 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 take share? I think if you if you if you're going to set out to compete, then you're kind of wasting your time a little bit. You know the 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 the, the range is going to be there. They're always going to spend more on the tech. So I, I would say if, if, if I was being asked, you know, what do I do? I, I would say, well, you, you know, you need to think of a different USP, right? What is it? Is it better customer service than Amazon offer? Is it, you know, the fact that you'll have people on the phone um, whenever the customer wants to talk to them? Is it that you'll have maybe even sort of feet on the street, as it were, mm-hmm. advising you? Uh, or it, it could be any number of things, but I think, you need to find a differentiation. The, the, the other thing I suppose I would also add is probably worth thinking about, uh, and I think this will have an increasing impact, is that Amazon don't really or don't really bother with any kind of consolidation from a delivery point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think increasingly when we look at large cities, that's going to become a, a thing. I was reading uh, this week about the... Um, the Polish uh, guy who started this kind of uh, competing lockbox idea for 
B to C deliveries. Uh, and the whole kind of sales premise is, well, you're doing good for the planet because you're not getting 10 deliveries. You can get it all delivered to a lockbox, go and pick it up. That's just, we can go once to the lockbox, et cetera. I think that that has to come in, in, in B2B world as well. Mm. If, if, if you're using Amazon business or the marketplace, you're going to get five, six, seven, eight deliveries or something. So I think consolidation of deliveries has to be something that will come, whether that is the transport companies that set up hubs outside major conurbations mm-hmm. and then take it all in in one go, or so, someone has to nail that part of the, uh, uh, of the offering as well, because I think increasingly business will start to realise that it, it's just not good for the environment to have 10 small white vans coming in with a, you know, another order. All right, good. We'll leave Amazon there for yeah, for, for the time yeah. being. Um, we've got the OPI European Forum online coming up on the the first and second of December, and you very kindly yeah. agreed to to host a, a panel on that. That's going to be going to be looking at the the current inflationary environment, and that's another major concern or a major issue that a lot of people are talking about in terms of cost of goods inflation and inflation driven by the supply chain challenges is, is it, i was going to say you know, we haven't seen covid before there was no playbook for covid uh, 18 months ago inflation is nothing new we we've seen that before but is this situation unprecedented or at least highly unusual i think it's highly unusual i mean we you know we we have over the over the years seen spikes in things like oil prices or obviously there's the paper cycle etc that has an impact on a lot of products but I I don't think I can remember a time where I've seen so much pressure on prices um, from just about every commodity at the same time Mm. I think is a you know it's a lot about the um, the world coming back from from the, the pandemic and and just massive demand, uh, you know, you, you only have to look at other industries. Examples of, um, you know, look at at the moment um, cars. The the manufacturers are really struggling mm. to produce new cars, and there's been an absolutely enormous increase in uh, secondhand yeah. car values as a result mm. because they're just scratching around trying to do that. So they, you know, there's there's an example, and that's all about uh, a shortage of. Um, chips which are now being used in consumer products because of you know the people working from home etc so i think we've, we've we've got a lot of that to come i suppose the question really is how how do we get how do we get some of that what what, what are those effects i think what we're going to cover in the panel is what what's the kind of size that we're looking at there in terms of you know the how big are these increases likely to be and and, and how do we you know, this is always a delicate subject because I'm, I'm not talking about um, collusion, but, you know, how do we, if we as an industry, think about how we pass on some of these price increases to, to, the, uh, to the consumer? Because the, um, that's really what, what this is all about, right? Yeah. And um, it, it, it's kind of that I think is going to be quite challenging to, uh, to do in the, in, the, in the coming months because it, you are talking about, from what I can see, some some really big increases. These are not um, these are not twos and three percent. These are you know serious serious increases. Okay, great. Well, certainly looking forward to that panel and looking forward to seeing you on the first and second of December at the uh, the OPR European Forum online. 
Yeah. So. Well, it's always a always a always a pleasure, always a good event, and uh, yeah, I've seen the overall program, and it's uh, looks like it's going to be another another good uh, good discussion. Just a shame that we can't do it um, in in person, but hopefully in 2022 we can start to uh, to get back to um, to to do that. As you mentioned earlier, you know, I I, I miss the uh, physical bar, so uh, <laughs> I can drink at home, but it's a bit sad. It's so not quite the same, right. is it? <laughs> not really. Although I did. I did during lockdown have a few um, end of week um, uh, uh, beers with my my team in Office Depot, right. which actually worked quite well on Teams. So I have tested <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Good. Okay. Well, it's it's a, it's a little bit early for us to to raise a glass to each other on 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 the on the screen, but uh, thank you, thank you for doing this, Robert. Appreciate that. And pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure. Good luck in your whatever your your new direction or your new ventures proved to be and I look forward to seeing you uh, at least online at the at the European Forum in a Thanks Andy thanks very much and uh, yeah thanks for inviting me again pleasure brilliant thanks Robert take right. care bye thanks bye bye if you have got this far then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk please check out our website opi.net for news interviews analysis and much more from the business products world We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.